2016, Hamilton was inescapable. The show was dominating Broadway, and even if you didn't live in New York, the music that loosely told the story of the plucky, ambitious immigrant and future founding father, Alexander Hamilton, permeated popular culture. We had the original cast recording playing regularly in my house that year. One of the songs that caught my attention early on was the song, The Reynolds Pamphlet. In that song, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and Aaron Burr sing about how Hamilton is never going to be president now since the public was made aware of an extramarital affair Hamilton engaged in. My first thought was why did his affair disqualify him? Why would a personal indiscretion indicate to the masses that he wouldn't be a good president? Certainly the irony of having Jefferson sing those lines was intentional, especially given what we know today about Jefferson and his indiscretions. But this made me think further. Why does the infatuation with the personal lives of public figures persist to this day? What does it say about us as a society and what does that keep us from accomplishing? Let's think significantly about this. Hello out there to all the significant others listening to this. I'm Pete. And as ever, I'm joined by my voracious co-host, Melissa. How are you today, my friend? Hello, Pete. I'm well, and hello, listeners. Pete, I have got to tell you that when you suggested this as a topic, I really had my doubts. I think we both want to keep our topics above board, and I just was not sure where you were going with this when you first brought it up. Yeah, I, I very much recall your response when I brought it up and, and completely understand your point of view. Uh, I, I wasn't trying to pitch a salacious topic, but I think by the end of this episode, we'll see how it would be far easier for us to accumulate a large following if we did go that route. Maybe, but is that really the type of audience we're looking to attract? Ah, there's the rub. So I knew that you're uh, a fan of Hamilton. That that I am, yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, what did you think of the role of James Callender in the play? Well, I am definitely familiar with the play, and I do not recall a James Callender in that show. I do not think James Callender appeared in any of the productions. <laughs> not well, but well spotted, ma'am. Uh, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't. Absolutely not. Uh, but his influence certainly was. He, he was the reporter who first published the story about Hamilton's affair and accused him of mishandling government money. Uh, his accusations are what led to Hamilton publishing his own retelling of his indiscretion. And that was the impetus for the song that I mentioned in the intro. Totally. See, what Hamilton did is cause me then to learn all things Hamilton, right? So clearly... <laughs> Right. They're, they're getting their bang out of this buck. Yeah. Right. right. We all so, became U.S. history uh, uh, and, and had high interest in U.S. history there for a short time. Right. Exactly. I'm like, how can we never learned it like this? Yes. <laughs> Which is why I know that those accusations of financial improprieties were never proven. No, no. Right. But the, the details of the affair were very popular to the to the extent that Hamilton could no longer be considered a serious candidate to win an election. But I think that's what the press does. It speaks truth to power. Yeah, I agree that ideally that's what a free press does, but that power can also be abused. You've heard accusations toward the press, regardless of their slant, uh, having accusing them of desiring to be kingmakers, right? Sure. The idea being that the press has the power to sway popular opinion so that the candidate they prefer will win elections. And honestly, you know, given the amount of exposure and influence the news media has today, I can see where that argument has merit. Uh-huh, I, 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 I can see where you're coming from, but I might argue that 
during the founding of the nation, the press had even more power mm-hmm. because, because of the, the scarcity of the messages. Whatever was published at the time carried more weight. It wasn't being watered down by the thousands of news websites that we're bombarded with daily in 2021. If I'm confronted with a story that doesn't align with my political point of view, in a few clicks, I can find one that does. James Callender had very limited competition. So what he published arguably had more influence over his readers. That is a valid point, completely logical. But I have to ask, is that what this guy was really doing? Well, <laughs> to be fair, no one's really sure. There's, there's good evidence, though, that Thomas Jefferson, who was Hamilton, Hamilton's uh, political rival, and had access to the documents that proved the affair, sent them to Calendar specifically to damage Hamilton, especially since he knew that the accusations of mishandling money were false. So Jefferson was using Calendar as a tool to harm his political ally, what some might call like a useful idiot. Well, we, we, we can't just wave him off as innocent either. Uh, Jefferson also used Calendar to attack John Adams, and his administration. Oh, I see. So Calendar maybe wasn't looking at the objective. By the way, this Jefferson gets, I can't, boy, I'm telling you, the more I learn, <laughs> the more I know. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, what I, where I think you're going, you correct me if I'm wrong, is I mm-hmm. think you're saying that Calendar wasn't looking to be objective. Like he wasn't this useful idiot. He was focusing on one side to benefit the other. A hundred percent. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we can, we can look back in hindsight and see his motivations and how he was ignoring stories about his benefactor. All right, I'm intrigued. This might be a part that I'm not familiar of. Tell tell me more about his benefactor. I love how interested you are in this and I'll tell you exactly why in just a minute. I'm on the edge of my ZP, which is not necessarily good in a podcast because you get, you know, that much closer to the microphone, but (laughs) (laughs) I do want to know, I want to know. Okay, okay. Well, what ended up happening is he requested uh, or expected his good buddy TJ to install him as the postmaster of Richmond, Virginia. When that didn't happen, Calendar turned his attention to Jefferson and was the first to bring to light his relations with Sally Hemings. So he was smearing Jefferson's opponents in the expectation that he'd reap some reward later on down the road, even though it was this postmaster of Richmond, Virginia, which I can tell you is not on my short list. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the appeal of that position was in that day and age, but that's what he was gunning for. All right. Well, maybe I'm taking back my earlier support for his journalistic efforts. (laughs) I kind of I kind of figured you would. He, He really he really was helping to turn public opinion in a way that helped his ally because he was expecting to be rewarded for his efforts. Grease in the skids, man, oy. All right, so Calendar was less of a journalist and more of like a political hitman, like only telling the story he wanted in order to sway the public in whatever way was beneficial to him at the moment. That's, that's exactly the way it seems. And, and for anyone that is connected at all to the world, that should sound like a familiar refrain. We hear it all the time now, where different media outlets are accused of having a slant or bias one side is constantly accusing the other of dirty, dirty dealings a la Mr. Calendar. Did you say anyone connected at all to the world? I did, yeah. So, all right. So, Lottie Dottie. Got yeah. it. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, I was like, wait, that's everyone. That's, I that's, carried that's, the yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, the, the, the Pele tribe may not know it, but. 
Yeah, but they we know that they know how to sort stuff. Unlike <laughs> us. We certainly do. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's safe to say that news takes on a different vibe depending on the network. And also, it is not uncommon for a news outlet to take aim at someone whose position runs counter to the slant of that particular media company. But but what if the news isn't driving the audience's attention, but playing to it? Oh, this gets dark and deep. And I love it because I think I believe this. Yes. I've often said like, how else do these papers stay in business if people aren't buying them? Everyone wants to kvetch about the news, right? You, yep. you, what I'm saying is you can't hate flashover facts and then shell out your five bucks for the Sunday edition of the sensationalized Sentinel and then read it from front to back and then that, bemoan the news, right? That's, that's one of my favorite publications, by the way, the sensational Sentinel. <laughs> yes. Sort of, sort of like don't hate the player, hate the game, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Um, maybe this is more of, uh, if you're a fan of the bleachers, take a good look at that education to entertainment ratio in your news, you know, yeah. and, and see if if you're on the right side of that, if you're getting more education. Yeah, that would be that would be a good a good rule to follow, I think, in general for all things. Mm -hmm. And to that end, uh, I don't think that people always realize or 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 rather cop to the fact that they're engaging in anything that isn't completely copacetic. Uh, a, a study conducted in 1993 found that when in conversation, men spent 55% of their time and women spent 67% of their time participating in gossip, which the study defined as discussing socially relevant topics. And I'm now making air quotes for the socially relevant topics. Oh, okay. Well, good thing we didn't have you describing a diagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no diagrams in this one. Good. Um, you know, I with these with these high numbers these high percentages i feel like some pearl collections about to come on but to be clear the study is just saying correct me if i'm wrong uh -huh. that 55 percent and 67 percent of the time conversing so right. we don't know what that time conversing looks like is that half an hour half sure. a day sure right 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 yeah, right to your point we don't know i should also add in that there are, was a meta-analysis in 2019 that found that three quarters of the time spent gossiping, which in this case was defined as talking about someone who wasn't present, was neutral in nature. Hmm, that's interesting. I guess I just automatically assume that gossip is negative. I mean, the word has a negative connotation to it. Like I'm walking into a beauty salon and all of a sudden we all turn into Adele starting every sentence with rumor has it, you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a musical salon. But, but as Neon Trees says, and the statistics show, everybody talks. Oh, be with the jokes today. All right. <laughs> so uh, if three quarters of the talk is neutral, uh, what is that other quarter of gossip categorized? What's the rest of the story here? Okay, well, as you can imagine, uh, the rest of the time was filled up with either positive or negative gossip. And, and while the percentage of each were really small, the split isn't great. 15% of the time was spent on negative gossip and only 9% was spent on positive gossip. What, what, is, what is positive gossip, Pete? I hear that Betty Lou volunteers at the animal shelter in her spare time. Gas, say it isn't so. Like what, <laughs> what, what does this look like? What's positive gossip? Well, and I, I don't think that you're actually far off. Uh, for the purpose of this discussion, we want to think about gossip as anytime we share information about others. So yeah, that would include who is volunteering at the homeless shelter. All right. So we are, are agreeing to find gossip is information sharing, just information uh -huh. sharing. Uh -huh. 
then I can actually make the argument that, that yes, I can see gossip could be seen in a positive light. Right. I know that that kind of information sharing is critical to the formation of societies as we know them, because mm -hmm. it's that information sharing that helps groups to find norms. Sure. And it also warns about the consequences of violating those norms. Yeah. Like if we were creating a society, we'd be like, take your shopping cart back to the corral. <laughs> yes. And as societies grow, it's just not possible to deserve all of this observe, I'm saying, observe all this behavior on your own. So we rely on others to relay stories to us, right? To help us stay on top of how society's attitudes are shifting. If someone violates a norm, the associated gossip would warn others not to behave in the same way. That's a, that's a fantastic summary. Uh, that, that was very well said. Um, so, so we've established that, that establishes gossip's functions in society, right? How prevalent it is, how often it paints a positive or negative picture, but why don't we pivot just, just now and, and highlight the effect that it has on us as individuals. Ladies and gentlemen, we will begin our tour in the prefrontal cortex. <laughs> Please ensure that you stay together as a group. I know that you're making a joke, but there really is nowhere better to kick off our tour of the gossiping brain. Waiter, okay, I was, I'm glad you went along with me on that. All right, all right, yes, let's talk about the prefrontal cortex. I've been waiting all day. All right. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I definitely was trying to make a funny there. Um, <laughs> but, but research does back me up on this. So there is a 2015 study mm -hmm. and that said that hearing any gossip about ourselves or any negative gossip at large had more activity in the prefrontal cortex, which as you know, we've already discussed is the part of the brain that helps us abide by social norms. Which is in alignment with what we were talking about before with using gossip to keep track of social mores. For the next stop on the tour, I'd like us, I'd like to take us to the caudate nucleus, which, okay. we, which we will abbreviate to CN so that I don't have to actively work to not bumble over that again. Okay. Now the CN, which is also, I don't want to get anybody confused with Cartoon Network because that immediately comes to mind for me. But the CN, which isn't as well known as the prefrontal cortex, but can generate dopamine, which we've talked about in previous episodes being part of the brain's reward response. Mm -hmm. That 2015 study showed that there was an increase in activity in the CN in response to negative gossip about celebrities. That is the, the subjects actually felt a level of enjoyment hearing that negative gossip. So if you had an enthusiastic response to hearing about there being some dirt on Mr. Calendar earlier, that was your brain acknowledging that it might just get a hit of dopamine from hearing about his bad deeds. It is like so jacked up. That is so jacked up. That is, <laughs> you love hearing negative dirt about your celebrities. Oh boy. All right. So when we're leaning in for this tea, what is really happening is we're jonesing for that hit of dopamine. If that is not a primitive level response, I don't know what is. Um, but this definitely explains why we want to listen to gossip. Um, but so this is interesting. Is there, what, what do we know about wanting to speak the gossip though? Ah, okay. Well, in addition to the psychological benefits, there are physiological responses that make us inclined to participate in gossip. In 2012, a study by Matthew Feinberg and his colleagues at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management highlighted these effects. They found that when people were passive participants, when they, when they listened to gossip about others, their heart rate increased. However, when they became active participants, when they started to participate in the gossip, 
their heart rate decreased. And when you realize that spreading gossip has a soothing effect and hearing gossip triggers our reward centers, suddenly it is not such a mystery why people are so eager to participate in gossip. I mean, I'm not definitely not advocating for gossiping here, but it, it makes some sense. And, and I want to stay focused on the idea we started off with, and, and that's that our, our personal titillation from gossiping about politicians or, or any celebrities' lives may distract us from the things that are truly important, which I'd argue are the issues and policies, and can be weaponized against us by the James Calendars of the world. Without a doubt. If we get caught up paying attention to the latest tawdry rumor, we're not focusing on what policies are being proposed or what positions politicians are taking on issues. Every minute a politician spends denying frivolous rumors is one less minute that he or she can lay out how his or her policies will help the people that he or she represents. That's a lot of pronouns in there. <laughs> it, it certainly is, yeah. I should have gone to the collective they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just go one or the other, you know, as long as you go right. back and forth, I think it's fair. Back and um, forth. Every minute a politician spends is she can his policies. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the pronoun effort. I do. All right. You're welcome. Okay. But to get back to what you were saying, that, uh, that technique is now and always has been used in political campaigns. You find yourself falling behind, create a story for people to gossip about and hope it changes public opinion. Mm. It worked for Thomas Jefferson and politicians all over the world have learned their lessons well. And a savvy media conglomerate with 24 access to their audience can certainly play to our tendencies to want to listen to these personal details, even if they end up not being true. You know, just a few episodes ago, uh, we said how many people still believe that Sarah Palin said that she could see Russia from her house, which really mm -hmm. affected her credibility as a candidate for VP. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, infamously, uh, it was said that a lie repeated often enough becomes true. And that's, that's unfortunately a, a fact. Um, and that's why we need to stay vigilant and use our minds to sift through what is presented to us, fight the urge to succumb to the gossip and focus on what is of actual substance. You know what I just thought of that complicates this matter even worse? What's that? It's, uh, you're gonna love it. The deep fake. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's something that, that I don't think anyone knows how to combat yet. So for those who might not be familiar, yay for you. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah because ignorance is bliss, man. Yep. Um, a deep fake is a threat to truthfulness in media. Um, it can generate a computer image of anyone and make it appear that they are saying anything. And, and Jordan Peele did a great example of this not too long ago. Um, for those of you not familiar with it, it is a must watch. The video will show you just how easy it is going to be soon for anyone to manipulate a video and voice recording and make a believable video of someone saying something they never actually said. And we'll make it easy and we'll post a link to that video on our social media so you have a, a chance to look at it for yourselves and see um, just how convincing it can be. Is this when Peel did uh, President Obama? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's the one that I'm was referring to. That was fantastic. Absolutely it was, fantastic and frightening. Yes. Like that was just, yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, gosh. That, that I was like, oh, this is a thing. And oh, this is scary. <laughs> it really You was, definitely yeah. want to check out this out uh when you're done listening to us for sure absolutely yeah. yeah 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 okay hamilton office gossip fake news deep fakes i think i'm spent when it comes to talking gossip your reward center's tapping out is that what's going on <laughs> yeah. yeah we definitely bounced around a little bit um 
but I hope that we've given our significant others something to talk about to throw in a little <laughs> Adele there uh, for the next week. Yeah. Was that was that Adele or Bonnie Raitt? I, I, you know, I, as I did it, I did it in a Bonnie Raitt sort of like yeah. like a cadence, like. But uh-huh. I was like, yeah, okay, it's Bonnie Raitt. You got me. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. That was that's good, good, uh, good call out there. That was not in my prefrontal cortex. <laughs> that's from like somewhere way back there on the tram. That'll be our next stop, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, crap archive from the eighties. Here we yeah, go. There yeah. you go. All right. Well, That's going to do it for this week's episode, but the discussion continues. Reach out to us on social media and tell us what you thought of this episode, how prevalent gossip is in your life, and what your feelings are about it. Uh, We can be found at ThinkSigPod on the Twitter and the Insta, or by searching for Think Significantly on Facebook. If you enjoyed our take on this topic, please consider following us on those platforms. And of course, tell a friend because it's not a rumor. Tell your friend. <laughs> You'll right. still feel That's good. Right. We promise. Mm. Participate in gossip and tell your friends about how amazing we are. <laughs> and, and it'll make you feel better. It'll calm you down. You'll get some dopamine. And as a byproduct, we'll get, uh, you know, our audience will grow. We'll have more people to, to talk with about these things. There you go. Listen, and I will be back next week to share another thought-provoking topic with all of you. Until then, we urge you to think significantly about the world around you.